0: and welcome to Dishing with Stephanie's Dish, the podcast where we talk about food, pop culture, whatever else is on our mind. I'm here talking with my friend Miles Jacob today, and he's joined us for a couple of episodes now. And Miles, maybe we should just introduce you a little bit, because our topic today is going to be talking about eating on the road. And you have a funny life in your third act.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it is. That's right. It's about my third act, I guess, out of three. Sadly. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: So can you tell everybody sort of what your history is and why you're on the road so much?
1: So uh, for the last 20 years, I have been um, working with a band called Los Lobos and um, the band makes their living. Playing concerts all over the world, really, mostly the United States, but lots and lots of times going to Europe, Japan, Australia. And so there's this whole sort of other life of existing on the road where we're going from place to place, day to day, figuring out how to eat and where to stay and everything else while we work.
0: So you do you have like a tour bus and do you sleep in those like coffin thingies and how do you <laughs> eat
1: Every once in a while we have a tour bus. Most of the time, the way our band travels, and it's not the same for every band, but the way our band travels is we will fly to a destination and play three, four, five, six, seven shows around that destination. And so we'll land at, pick a city, Boston, and we'll rent minivans. And usually it's three minivans. One will be one of the minivans will be packed with gear, and the other two will have uh, band members, crew, and luggage. We'll drive ourselves, and then uh, you know, we're, after however many shows it was, we'll we'll fly home again and be home for three, four, five days, and then get up and get off and do it all over again, uh, starting in a different city. And it's you know anywhere between a hundred and a hundred and fifty shows a year, so. It's work. It's yeah. it's not uh, it's not just getting on a bus. The other way to do it is a bus, and that's you know you'll have a bus and you'll probably be out for, um, you know whatever a month maybe even more. And uh, it's a slightly different way to go. Um, you have a driver, and the the distance distances are sometimes longer. Um, usually driving at night, you'll play a show and. The bus will take off for wherever the next show is, uh, you know, at 1 30 in the morning, and you'll sleep on the bus and you'll wake up and you'll be in the parking lot of a venue, <laughs> which is a little weird. <laughs>
0: yeah. And we like, I always think about the tour bus life, but the minivan life's interesting too, because here you have, I don't know, 15 grown men and maybe some yeah. women too. And like, do you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner?
1: Yeah, so the 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 um yeah so the minivan way of doing it is is actually a little bit more normal in that you're you're staying in hotels and you know you're eating out. You don't get to you never you never really eat in, obviously. So because we work at night, we will get up and sort of, you know, say we'll meet everyone in the lobby at eleven o'clock in the morning. And we usually you'll start by you know going a very short distance and then getting you know late breakfast, early lunch, um, you know, quickly and then driving however far it is to our next show, which is usually anywhere between two and five hours. Um it can be a grind. I mean, if it's five, that's a uh, that's a long, that's a long day. And then going to work. So that's one of the funny things is the vans, the way we split it up, it's 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 usually always the same people in the in each of the different vans. Not only that, everyone sits in the same place in the van. <laughs> it's not because it's assigned seats; it's just the way it is. <laughs> um, but there is the the inevitable stupid conversation of so where do we want to go? And and we're in a you know we're always in a different town and. Everyone's been doing this for a long, long time, so there are some favorite places to eat, but not always. And a lot of times we're, you know in the middle of nowhere. we might be in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So where should we shop? And because of the guys that I work with, um, a few of them anyways, always want to stop at a Mexican place. That's right. where they want That's where they want to eat. And you would, I mean I always think, Oh God, I mean we're gonna have Mexican food again. And I love, I love Mexican food. Sure. Oh, but I mean, really? We're gonna to... and they are inevitably disappointed with the food that we get.
0: Because <laughs> they're and from LA.
1: They're from LA. They want the food, you know, they all they all grew up um, in East LA, which is, you know, the Mexican part of town, whatever that means. Um and They want Mexican food the way they've always had it. And that isn't the way it is everywhere. Uh, You know, and I learned this the hard way because, I mean, I don't really care. It's not my thing. I, I, I like Mexican food almost any which way. They do not. If they get a burrito that has lettuce in it or, God forbid, sour cream in it, they won't eat it. They literally will they'll take a bite out of it, go ugh, and leave it on their plate. And they'd rather go hungry for the rest of the day. And that's the, the, so funny. And the disappointment. And it's and and every time it's the surprise that we're disappointed. I was like, come on, man, we're in New England. Why do you think this is gonna be a Mexican restaurant that you will like any part of?
0: I wonder too, if like cuz you think about chinese restaurants and people their their parents coming and immigrating here and them starting some restaurants and now the third generation or second generation's interpretation of you hear about like americanized chinese yep. i wonder if there's like americanized mexican
1: well, totally oh wow, it absolutely i mean that and that's and that's the thing is is i don't know that it's even right to say uh that what they want is only the authentic Mexican. They want Mexican the way they grew up with Mexican. Sure. That's that's what they like. That's what they're comfortable with. What they like is 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 great. I mean, it's <laughs> I, I've come to think it's the best Mexican food you can get anywhere. But it doesn't mean that really it's better. How it's just it's just what they like. For instance, they they would never go to a Rick Bayless. Mexican restaurant in Chicago. When we're in, and we're in Chicago all the time, um, they would never go there. And that's it's not delicious. What, that they wouldn't think grill
0: and yeah, they they wouldn't
1: think that that's what they want. Uh, that that's it's a different thing for them, and that's not really what they're interested in. It's, it's not like they wouldn't eat it, but that's not what they're looking for at all. And well, so anyway, when we get going every morning, it's this thing and, you know and I, and I'm usually looking for sort of the classic american diner restaurant with giant menus and you can get anything eggs and pancakes and waffles and hamburgers and everything else and they like that too or we'll go to deli they love delis they love jewish delis you know that they, they're meat people you know, they don't they I'm like I'm I'm generalizing here but sure they're not looking for the great vegetarian restaurant, except for one of the guys is a vegan. um But Gosh, that
0: I'm, must be hard for him.
1: Oh, it's exhausting! It's exhausting for everyone to have one vegan. In the yeah,
0: I'm sure it's challenging.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean he's cool about it, but the other guys they like corned beef, they like pastrami, and and you know that that's what, and so do I. That's great. Yeah, yum. So we do a lot of that kind of thing. We'll have a big meal. And we'll hit the road. And then every night before the show, the promoter is responsible for providing dinner. Um, and sometimes it's great. And sometimes it's just, you know, army cafeteria bad.
0: <laughs> you have like a writer that says like you only eat green M&Ms and. Uh,
1: yeah, no. yeah, I mean, yes, there is a writer. Um, with my guys, it's not that particular. There's there's a list of things that are sort of out in the dressing room, but it's like, you know, potato chips, rice cakes, you know, so many bottles of water and pop and whatever else, a bottle of booze and another bottle of booze. And that's it. It's not anywhere near the, there are a lot of bands with very very particular riders.
0: You yeah, because you've been on the road with like an Eric Clapton and some of these they like.
1: Have, sometimes they have very very particular th- things that have to be in the dressing room, and and a lot of times it's things that cannot be in the dressing room. World of rock and roll. There's a lot of people that have had to quit doing liquor, drugs, whatever, yep. and, it, and it's very and it's very serious. I mean, it, it's 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 a big deal. So there there is no liquor allowed. Period, and and it's not. A small thing. It's a really important thing.
0: And so if you're on the road with like a Clapton and you're Los Lobos, does that mean no liquor for you guys too? Cause you're all backstage.
1: No, you know, the big acts where we're with, usually it's just us and maybe a local opener or something like that. Every once in a while, Los Lobos signs on to play, oh, maybe a half dozen shows as an opener for a, for a really big ticket band, like an Eric Clapton or a Neil Young, you know, something like that. In those situations, you have separate dressing rooms. Um some of those big stars are fantastic people and they're very they're very easygoing you see them all the time and sometimes they aren't. Sometimes they're very weird and eccentric and standoffish, whatever.
0: Is it um, like the movie Almost Famous where like um, there's groupies and they're waiting at the back door and
1: Yeah. Sometimes with, with my guys, my guys are great. They're so, they're so easygoing. They're so friendly and they've been doing this for so long that they have friends in every, I mean, it almost feels like no matter where we are, no matter how small the town, they'll have some friends there. Yeah. That's
0: cool.
1: And, and, you know, we're older, um, between 60 and 70. So, you know, the, the the young sort of groupy thing. It's Might more buy. it's more friends that want to hang out, <laughs> <laughs> which is fun because the guys that I work with are are very nice, friendly, fun people. They they enjoy other people's company and yeah. You know, it's 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 a, it's a good part of it's the fun part of doing this because being on the road can be a real grind too. So I mean the fun part is when there's a bunch of people around having a good time. Um it's that's that's the good part.
0: So that's sort of on the life on the road with the band. Yeah. And then you and I our fam well my husband's family and your family met. You guys started out uh being on an island and camping as kids. I'm curious about we've never talked about what your families would eat while you guys were camping on the islands during the summer times.
1: Yeah. So that was just the typical, well, my mom called it sunset magazine camping (laughs) because it's not like, uh, you know, you're hiking and you're breaking camp and putting everything in a backpack and hiking and then setting up camp again the next night. You know, we were going to, uh, you know, a, a, a small amount of acreage that, that my folks and, and your husband's uh, folks had. And, you know, we had tent platforms and we'd have tents and then we had a little kitchen area set up, but I mean, it's a camper kitchen. We had like a Coleman stove right? and we'd also have a campfire that we could cook on. So, you know, you're cooking just your typical hamburgers, steaks, hot dogs, you know, boil a pot of water for noodles, um, that kind of that kind of real basic campfire food. It was delicious.
0: Do you have like a, a meal that stands out in your mind that you guys would have? I know like for Kurt's dad, he yeah. would make steak and fried potatoes. Like that was his big oh, meal. Oh, yeah.
1: Ah, uh, me. Not so much. I don't think it was just sort of the whole experience more than any one special meal. I can't really think of what it would be.
0: Was that where the cottage cheese noodles came about? uh, uh, uh,
1: That's my dad, (laughs) but that's not just camping. (laughs) That's my dad. My dad, who's not really a cook, but he, he loves, he loves pasta and he's always loved pasta. And so he would make his, he'd cook, he'd cook pasta, drain the noodles and, And have sour cream, he'd mix in sour cream and cottage cheese, which, you know, if I hadn't had it 5,000 times in my life, would sound weird to me. But for me, it's like the ultimate comfort food. It's delicious, too. That's the one thing that my dad knows how to make. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um. but I don't know if that's just a campfire thing. Right. No, but with, with going up to, to go camping, like we did, at, you know, as kids and, you know, for, a, for a long time, the, the thing would be stop. you know, it's four hours to get up there. Our place is near Ely. Minnesota. And so it's, it's a four hour drive, which it's not the end of the world, but that's a haul. And so we always would, our family would always stop at the same place in Cloquet, which is about halfway. That was something to really look forward to. You
0: know, Gordy's been, high hat.
1: Gordy's high hat in Cloquet. You know, we would pretend like it was the greatest place in the world. <laughs> it's just a hamburger place. It's pretty shit.
0: good, though. I don't know. I
1: love it. Are you kidding? I, you know, all our, all our kids have had T-shirts. <laughs> from yeah, Gordy's. our
0: daughter does, too. And they have <laughs> uh, the crinkle cut fries. And- yeah. I love
1: it. I love it. And by the time you get there, you're ready. Let's go. no, as we would, they would, they would have the permanent special of double cheeseburger. Yep. <laughs> so we'd call it a double cheeseburger on the rocks. And <laughs> that was, that was our, that was our halfway point thing. So that's fun. Um, the other kind of road food.
0: We started traveling. Well, during this pandemic, we, well, before the pandemic, my husband bought a vintage van and rehab and we started traveling around the country in this van and then during the pandemic or right yeah during the pandemic the van broke down and we decided to trade in that van and we bought a winnebago paseo that's another class b van that doesn't break down all the time because it's on a ford truck chassis what does that mean class b That it is literally, you can park it in a parking lot at Walmart. You can park it in the same place you could park a regular car.
1: It's not an RV that way.
0: That's right. And and they push that a little bit because it's super tall. So Uh you couldn't just drive it into the parking ramp of Mall of America, for instance, without knowing what the height is. (laughs) Or you only
1: drive it in once.
0: (laughs) And you can't drive it through fast food drive throughs tall. Right. So mm-hmm. we uh we've learned that. But it but has
1: does it have thing. a kitchen in it, like a little yeah. kitchen there?
0: It has a full refrigerator, it has a bigger than dorm size refrigerator. Yeah. Oh, okay. Freezer. It has a two-burner stove, oh. and it has a full sink and a cutting area for a granite counter or corian oh. counter, not granite, for <laughs> chopping and It's actually pretty fun to cook on the road. But what we end up doing most of the time is we pull out our Coleman stove because Uh if we're going to just be in the van and if it's raining, we might cook in the van, but it's really nicer to just get outside wherever you are.
1: Set up a little mini campsite.
0: Yeah. So we'll set up just like you would if you were camping. And then we Uh use the inside of the van kind of for coffee. There is a microwave. If we're plugged in somewhere, we can use it. But it's very handy to, like, for instance, we're going to get out on the road in March for a couple of weeks, and we'll leave with food in our freezer, in our refrigerator. I'll bring my pickles, my sauerkraut, my stuff, so that <laughs> we don't have to really stop in a lot of grocery stores or buy a lot of food and mingle with a lot of the public on the way. Yeah. So COVID-wise, it's kind of been great.
1: God, it sounds like it would be so much fun. I'm sure you get tired of it, but I don't know. It sounds... That sounds like a blast.
0: Yeah. We don't get tired of it. It's amazing. And I think we keep the bed out all the time. So there's a queen size bed in the back. And it's comfortable. Yep. And we drive from place to place. We find places where we can pull over where there's no one around, or we go to parks, national parks, and we just, you know, keep our distance and we don't use the public bathrooms. And other than you know checking in with the host at the campsite, you really don't have to interact with anybody.
1: Do you? Do you stay at non-official campsites? I mean, we've well, done you both. Over?
0: My husband gets nervous about. So we've had a few instances where we've slept in Walmart parking lots, oh, and they're pretty. <laughs> depending on where you are, oh my it God. is a lot of sad. People That are in that parking lot with you. It's, it's not just RVers. It's a lot of homeless people. It's a lot of people that are looking for a safe place to park for the night. So that can feel a little sad to be perfectly honest, but we've done it. And then other times. You know, like I'm like, let's just pull over and go to sleep. And my husband will be nervous that someone will start knocking on the window in the middle. I was
1: gonna say, what about what about Bruce Springsteen, Nebraska? (laughs) Exactly. You guys are gonna be in the paper.
0: We've done a little bit of both. There are places that you can go that are off grid, and people are starting to keep track of those places. There's also Mm. places too that average, like there's this website that we have where you can park in their driveway. And other places like that. So the whole van life and camper, as long as you're small enough, there are a lot of places you can go. Yeah, But we do park, like we're going to go to Sanibel Island for five days and we park, there's one RV park on the Island and we got to slip in there just because then you don't really have to deal with it too much. Right. But RV parks are weird, you know, some of them are really spacious and in the national parks, they're a lot of times lovely, and you have a nice campfire ring and space you can spread out. Other times, like in um, Santa Fe, New Mexico, you are literally, you know, your window is looking right into the window of the car next to you.
1: Ugh, so, that doesn't sound so great.
0: <laughs> yeah, you kind of got to be a little choosier, and a lot of these places now in the spring... People get in their RVs and travel to a place and stay there the entire spring. And so they've been there for, you know, 12 weeks. And that's kind of interesting, too.
1: Do you find that if you like if you pulled into a strip mall parking lot that was, you know, I mean, it's closed at night let's say, is there animosity from the store owners or whatever that you've, that you've spent the night in the parking
0: lot? No, but I think you have to be respectful about where Uh, you are and what you're doing. uh, We probably like Walmart's cracker barrels. They're all, there's an agreement that you can do that.
1: So uh, but the stigma of, I don't know, this is, Probably going to sound lousy, but man, oh man, I, I, I am not sure that that is a place that I would desire to be.
0: Just, it's um, it's not ideal, but sometimes when you're on the road, you know, you got to make do. Other right. times, you know, we've been in areas where you're literally the only person for um, miles, and that's right. interesting too because, like in Utah in Wyoming, you know, you're just pulled off on this dirt road. Yeah, and it's nerve wracking. We've seen, yeah. burgers, we've seen all kinds of weird stuff. Ed Gein. Yeah. <laughs> Ed Gein was in Wisconsin making lamp <laughs> well, skin.
1: yeah, exactly. Or who is the guy that was finally executed? And you know, he was he he killed hitchhikers and stuff for.
0: So. Oh yeah, was that the? Um, no, that mm-hmm. wasn't. That was. Uh, what was his name? Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. Yep. You know, you're you're out there on the highway with Ted Bundy. Yep. I'm deep into serial. Uh, I'm deep into serial killer lore. I usually know all of them. It's it's pretty. I will say it seems weirder to me. You're when you're in the van. You can lock yourself in and you're in there. And there are a lot of like I've read a lot about van life where it's single women who one of the things they look for when they buy a van is to make sure that they can get from the sleeping area to the front seat without having to get out of the van because it's a safety Mm -hmm. issue for them. They want to be locked in there. Sometimes it's weird too, because our van, the whole back of it, the doors open and it's a screen that comes down. So it feels like you're in a tent. Okay. And that's really nice. But sometimes when you're in like a parking lot, that isn't very nice. So you want to have options about air circulation and if it's yeah. 80 degrees at night, you don't want to be all trapped inside your van. So there's weird things to consider that way, too.
1: Let's go back to the beginning where it all seemed like such a romantic idea. you? <laughs> you know
0: what? Here's the funny thing, because we're also sailors and sailing is a similar life, right? You're in a small space. Most of the sailing journey is dedicated to a bedroom and then a place to eat and then your kitchen. The kitchens are super similar. They don't usually have refrigeration. It's usually ice that's refrigerating everything. Yeah. But the experience is similar. And then you you park on an anchor or you, you find an anchorage and then other boats are in the vicinity usually. It's sort of like... I said to Kurt, you know, here you are, you think you're having this van life or this sailing adventure, but really it's kind of like an RV park wherever you go. (laughs) Some of the sailing RV parks are a little more luxurious because you're next to, you know, Kelly Ripa in her 60 foot yacht, but it's still like an RV park, right? You can still hear their music, their noise. They get up early in the morning and make noise getting out of the spot. It is kind (laughs) of funny like that.
1: Yeah. Uh well remember we went sailing with you one time. Yes. Which was great. We when we came upon you know some oligarch's ship.
0: Yep, the Russians.
1: <laughs> right. And you know, we're on a boat that was plenty nice, but these people had like a helicopter landing pad on their boat.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that, is it, that that particular couple has a his and hers ship. And his ship has a helicopter and her ship has like a 40-foot speedboat on it.
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: (laughs) I really miss that. I miss, I was going to tell you the story about um, one of the places that we went that from a food perspective, I just think about, and I think about it when I think about getting back to traveling and what I miss. Did we ever tell you about being in Croatia and going through the channel where they farm most of the oysters and the mussels. No, it's it, it was this place and I can't remember the name of it, but it's where most of the country gets its oysters and its mussels. And you go through this weird little kind of channel that seems like for a sailboat with a long keel, it wouldn't be safe, but there's an exact way that you can do it, that you can get in there. And then once you get in there, You're traveling down this sort of narrow causeway, and there's oyster beds and mussel beds all along the sides of this island. Wow. And you get to the end of this causeway, and there's a gigantic salt farm. So there's salt ponds where the ocean goes into this penned in (laughs) area. And then the ocean goes out and what's left behind is water that sits in these pools and the sun distills down out the water and they're left with rocks of crystallized salt from the ocean.
1: And they mine it. And they mine it. it.
0: Yep. And they make it into salt, just like they did in the Roman times. Uh And it's, it was just like the craziest place. Like, then we went to dinner, and they literally had this bag in the water because we pulled up in our dinghy, and it's like a patio side seating, right? And it's usually eight tables, and it's run by a family who's been doing this for 50 years. Uh-huh. And they just reach into the water and pull out their bag of oysters or their bag oh my of mussels they've just got. Uh-huh. And there's no cocktail sauce. There's no minuet even, which is that vinegar and shallot sauce. You just chuck those babies down. Oh,
1: that sounds so good.
0: (laughs) It was like one of the most fascinating eating situations. Another time, you know, they all have their own red and white wine that they get from the grapes on the island. And it's like their house brand, right? Because they just make it. And then there's a goat that's tied up in the back. And then sometimes they'll have goat on the menu. And so you're kind of eating Uh-oh. one of the goats that they yeah. have found. And it's it's always a little muttony, you know, so you want to be careful how you're having it. You wouldn't eat it medium rare like you might if you bought, you know, lamb chops. It's more like something that would be stewed or... Birria. Yes, exactly. And they, there's a famous thing in Croatia in particular where they call the something under the dome and whatever's under the dome, whether it's octopus or goat, or it's not chicken and it's never beef, but it could be fish. It's this, there's coals that are stacked up around the outside of a literal dome and the food is underneath the dome and the coals around it cook it and it cooks under there with vegetables for like eight hours.
1: Wow. So you That sounds exotically good.
0: Yeah. You go and you make your reservation at your restaurant that you're going to eat at once you get into the area. And if you want to do the dome, you got to get in there early to tell them what you want under the dome. And Uh, then you come and they dig out the coals and they serve it on a platter and lift up the dome. And there you go.
1: That sounds really good.
0: Man. Yeah, it man. is pretty good. Way.
1: Yeah, no, the whole oyster thing is great. I love it. We have friends in with the band in Wellfleet uh, uh, on Cape Cod in Massachusetts. Sure. He's an oyster farmer. And it, he always comes and brings us oysters that he went out and got that morning. And it doesn't taste, they don't taste like oysters that you get around here. And not not that I have a bit problem with the oysters from around here, but they're so fresh. And that that taste of the sea yeah. that is so fresh there. And I'm just spoiled by it now. It's so good. Oh man. Wow. Well, that's worth shooting for.
0: Yeah. And I think when we get back to, you know, travel life, I know both Kurt and I would like to go back to Croatia. So maybe we'll get you and Sue to come.
1: Sounds good to me. Let's get Los Lobos to play there so I can work too and pay for it. Oh
0: yeah. I think, well, I think international travel is going to be inexpensive again for a while. I don't know how Hmm. long, but assuming we can get vaccinated and have a piece of paper.
1: Yep. I talked to so many people that just, they cannot wait for everything to open up again, whether it's going to see live music, going to see a play, going out to dinner. Yeah. Uh, The, the, the pent-up demand, you know, or getting on an airplane and going somewhere. I just have to believe that once we get to a point where enough people have been vaccinated, it's going to be a free-for-all of just getting out. I hope so. Ah, me too. Me too. Jeez.
0: Well, that is a good episode of Travel Worthy Lore. Um,
1: Travel Lore, yeah. Yes, <laughs> There's a million stories in that, in that, in that chapter for sure.
0: Yes. And I will look forward to talking with you again soon, but thanks for spending time with me today, Miles. All
1: right. That was fun.
0: Yeah. We'll talk soon. Bye.